0: In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I briefly complain about how non-competitive recent games have been before turning our attention to potential first-round playoff matchups. Going over the Hawks, Celtics, Heat, Hornets, Pacers, Wizards, Bulls, and Raptors, and discussing which ones, if any, might present the Sixers with the toughest challenge. Our next episode of the podcast will be a Mailbag Edition, so if you have a question you would like for us to discuss on the air, send us an email to mailbag at sixersbeat.com. And we will look it over. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. Hey, you doing, Rich?
1: I am great, man. I am wonderful. Yes. You know did. what isn't wonderful, though? These games suck. They suck. They
0: suck. It will help the Sixers out. The Sixers are now at 41 and 21. They are a game back of the Brooklyn Nets with the tiebreaker. They are two and a half games up on the Milwaukee Bucks, who they don't have the tiebreaker over. They have 10 games left, and they have won the past two games by a combined 75 points. You could see a lot of those lopsided games in the near future because they're not playing very many, very good teams. In fact, the um, the Hawks, who they just beat by, uh, does the math, carry the one, I can't even tell you, a whole bunch of points here, the other night uh, was supposed to be one of their two toughest games, or their two two of their three toughest games left, but because the Hawks were missing pretty much everyone of relevance in their lineup, most notably Trey Young and Bogdanovich, that was a laugher right from the jump, right from the jump. I just think
1: that the last four games that the Sixers have played, and that's the two Milwaukee games, then OKC, and uh, and by the way, OKC, I don't know how they beat Boston the next night. That is, I mean, that team is straight out of the process. Yeah. Yep. I, I just think those games, though, they're a perfect encapsulation of this season and how it's all screwed up. Like, the Sixers in those two Milwaukee games, they had no fucking chance of None. winning those games. Yep. And they were guaranteed to win these last two. You know, you mentioned there was the stat, the Sixers won consecutive games by uh, by 30 points. It was the second time in franchise history, dating all the way back to the early 80s. And of course they did. The Hawks had their entire backcourt. Yeah, yeah. First string, second string, sixth string. Like They did not have... I think they had six of their top seven guys in the backcourt out. You know, they had Capella and John Collins and like credit to the Sixers. They took care of business. They put it on them, but outside of the feeling of, Oh, it's, you know, it's nice to get back on the winning side of things. I don't feel any differently about the Sixers. Like just, right. right. Just like we shrugged at them getting blasted this weekend in Milwaukee. It's not a, their back type of, uh, type of thing here as you uh
0: <laughs> you raising the
1: cat on that one? No
0: raising raising the cat bed. Raising the cat bed. Okay. And you know, just to criticize
1: Adam Silver on this, I think is a little unfair. The Sixers and the players, they signed off on this one sure. as and well.
0: The, the owners too, they wanted their money. everyone wanted their money for sure. And this uh
1: this isn't to denigrate what the Sixers have done this season, because look, they're playing with the same rules as everybody else and Sure, you know a once-in-a-lifetime, hopefully, event has kind of put them in this tough spot. But they play too many games in the NBA already. They just do, and and this season they're playing an even more condensed schedule than they usually do. And the result is four games over the past week with predetermined outcomes.
0: Yes, predetermined outcomes. Not much reason to watch. Nothing to analyze. Like you said, I'm, I feel no more more or less confident about the Sixers and their chances. Over the next, um, or over the playoff run, based off of what has happened over the last four games. You've had two of them that were pretty much guaranteed losses, two of them that were guaranteed wins. Um, I mean, look at the Atlanta inactive list Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Tony Snell, Trey Young. That's not including Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was a healthy, or he was on the active roster, but didn't play. That's like their top three guys in minutes per game. I think it was five of their top seven. Uh, They had, and and the big men who were left can't guard and beat anyway. So like they had, they had no, they had no chance, no chance. Uh, And and
1: the guy who really took advantage, the guy who really takes advantage of a team that is disorganized and not quite as talented is Ben Simmons. (laughs) Just, it turns into an all-star game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you point out the one screenshot where they had five in transition, defending Ben at the rim, cutting him off in the paint. Uh, Can't really do that when Danny green is, Sprinting to the corner, uh, and that was all first quarter. And once that first quarter was over, I think it was an eighteen to four run the Sixers used to take control of the game. Everything after that was just, hey, what kind of circus shot can Firkon make in this possession? It was there was really no other reason that and Paul Reed to watch. Those were the two main takeaways.
1: There were uh, there were two plays during the Simmons highlight reel that I thought are just two kind of small things that the Sixers these individual players are, are really good at. And it was, it was funny, on that play where he pushed the ball down the court, Danny Green is, is the best at the NBA for kind of his talent level at two things. One is transition defense. I don't know why. And then the other one is that baseline corner-to-corner cut. Yep. He is the craftiest guy in the league. And that one was a fake cut. He pretended like he was going to run on the baseline. And Lou Williams just assumed he was going to keep going. He didn't. So he's really good at that. The other one is uh Simmons had a steal. You know how when you you know you're growing up like and you're being taught man to man defense by a youth basketball coach or high school coach or whatever, they say ball you man. You know, you're supposed to right. see when you're playing help defense, you're supposed to be able to see in your peripheral vision the ball and the, the player you are responsible for guarding. Ben Simmons does not need to do that. He will turn his back to his man and it works out. Like he'll get steals just reading the passers eyes. It's, uh, and he, he really doesn't get whether that's being willing to get back cut because Embiid is usually behind him, whatever he, he doesn't usually get burned on that. And, uh, yeah, it just, that was, a he made another steal on that where, you know, it just turns into a, a highlight reel for him where he's just pushing the ball down people's throats. And, uh, that game was over in the those are two observations from the first quarter from the first eight minutes of that game. There was nothing else you really needed to. No, uh, there to wasn't. Bring up.
0: And look, there was it's nice to see Tyrese Maxey get going. I love it when Furkan makes some shots from the perimeter. Like there's stuff you can take away from that game individually. George Hill? George Hill.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, he had a couple of real nice dunks. I think the only the only two shots he made he made, he made a three and two dunks. I think is all analytics darling in that game. His first two dunks of the year, according to Basketball Reference, and they were both in pretty emphatic fashion. Uh, so there's some plays that may have been interesting. <laughs> Seth Curry had another after we buried him in the last pod. Seth has had a couple of nice games against Garbanzo Bean's competition. He made
1: um, he made use of the open threes
0: he yeah. got it from the Garbanzo beans competition, but Hey, that's another one who makes him and Danny green. Certainly also make use of a disorganized opponent. Uh, they will pick you apart in that regard. And that was a very disorganized opponent. Sixers have another (laughs) real great chance here, um, on Friday night. And and that really underscores, like when we were talking, I I think we may have undersold, like when we were talking about nine and three over the last 12, might've undersold that a little (laughs) bit. They have a chance to win, uh, pretty much every night out here outside of, Maybe that Miami game, which is coming up. Uh, maybe a couple other marginally tough games of Pacers I think they play, but not a whole lot of competition they should be able to run the house. And look, they didn't have a player play more than 26 minutes against the Hawks. You hope to be able to get that a couple times here. or uh, not Maybe a bench player. They didn't have a starter play over 26 minutes against the Hawks. You hope maybe you can get that a couple more times here down the stretch. Doc loves to call it old school load management. Give him a couple of fourth quarters off. That would be big. Uh, love to keep his minutes down. If you can keep it below... 30 for the big guy. I think that would be great.
1: I think you're going to get a lot of that over the, uh, yeah. the final games. I thought, um, I didn't even realize Mike Scott was active until he came into the game, but it seems like he is finally out of the rotation. If yeah. everybody is healthy that, uh, you can thank George Hill for that.
0: George Hill, by the way, like Which I, we brought up a couple when they, people were like, well, what are you, you going to do about the backup four? you're going to get George Hill in the lineup and you're going to play a lot of small ball lineups. That's the solution. Doc
1: talked about, he was like, we're going to play four guards. And I didn't really consider Matisse a, uh, a guard, you know, like, I guess when you have trouble dribbling (laughs) at at times, like, like he does, but, but he is, he is a guard slash wing
0: for perimeter players. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And, uh, and that's how they're going to roll out with, uh, with that group. I, uh, George Hill, you know, I think coming into um, Wednesday's night, night's game, let's get the dates right here against uh, Atlanta, he had only attempted four threes in in ninety three total minutes. I would like to see him yep. shoot it a little more frequently. That's the story of the uh, entire team, the Sixers backcourt. Yeah, for the most part, um, that's I mean four threes in ninety three minutes. That's not even looking at the rim. Yeah. Right. Yep. For for the modern NBA, but you can tell he's. You know, he's a veteran player trying to feel his way. Pick
0: his spots, new team Yeah, and... and try and
1: get people involved. And you know, he's he's not the most uh aggressive shooter in the world anyway. It's uh so but I, I've been impressed by how he's looked. You know, it's funny that Daryl Morey talked about how uh how he gave the Sixers switchability, and that was kind of the primary talking point after he was initially acquired. You know, we have this group that can switch everything now. And and I mentioned on the last pod, like I think a bigger wing, like a Drew, even like a Drew Holiday, can, can give him a decent amount of trouble. What has impressed me the most with him, though, he is like a very savvy off-ball defender. He gets around screens. He's got that super skinny frame that can slither around screens. i th- that's been impressive. He is uh, he's going to help them for sure.
2: Yeah. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana... Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call one 877 8 hope in Y or text and Y. call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, one 800 bets off in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600. to speak to an advisor, free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Commercial offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited to see the... Ro- we're making a big deal of it going into the game. Like, hey, we'll get our first chance to really see Doc's full rotations because they had their full lineup, healthy to them. Well, the rotations were blown about eight minutes into it when the game became garbage time. <laughs> Uh, but it will be nice. If some of these games could be close, we get a glimpse of what Doc's rotations will be. And I think Doc will try to build a rotation here just to, um, you know, just to kind of get a, a little bit of an established flow towards a game. Uh, and that is something that we, or at least I talked about, I think it might've been in a solo pod, uh, where Doc did every non-garbage time possession for the Clippers last year, did have at least Paul George or Kawhi Leonard on the court in the playoffs. So you should see him change up his Rotations at least a little bit here as we enter in to the playoffs. Um, so I'd love to see what those are in the this stretch run for sure.
1: Yeah, and then you get a lot of uh, shenanigans at the end of these games. I think you're going to see more of it. I think you're going to see. You talking about the fight? A, well, the the fight was was one thing. You know, Chris. That was Dunn, a shenanigan. He was, yeah. He was he was having a tough day. You know, he was he having was, a very tough day. It was it was a pretty. It it was funny to see Matisse be like actually mad at him you know, yeah, Batiste,
0: Batiste, who, yeah look, we joked about when he got that one technical foul it's like he doesn't even know a curse word but yeah. can't but can't be in a fight that can't happen
1: he was just trying to high five shake he really yeah. wasn't trying to <laughs> yeah it, it really was like the least amount of taunting you've ever seen he makes this pretty incredible alley-oop finish where he volleyballs into the the ball in the basket and he was just trying to high five shake in a non re, really like taunting fashion but yeah. uh so you get that, you get Dwight trying to shoot threes and also going nuts about the frosty freeze outs yep. as well while fouling people at all times. You get B ball Paul with the with a nice dunk every once in a while. I uh I thought it was funny Embiid he rarely likes stuff on Twitter. You know, again he says he yeah. doesn't go on social yeah. media. But uh he uh his most recent like is a is a Paul Reed tweet from twenty thirteen. When you get fouled in a basketball game and they keep fouling, period. All that mean <laughs> is they can't guard you.
0: Yeah, it's true. Joel Joel jo- jo knows that very well. He knows that very well. Um, that's a little weird going back too far into b Paul's Twitter history because <laughs> back in 2013, he would have been like, what, 14? Yeah. And I could, like I said, 100% see why Joel jo would like that tweet. He shares the sentiment. All right. I don't have too many strong takes from that game. Uh, I don't particularly want to talk about that game all that much. There wasn't too much to take away from it. So let's take a step back. You know, we talk a lot about avoiding um, Milwaukee in the second round of the playoffs, but let's dive into the first round or even possibly a second round, depending on how things shake out. But the teams that we sort of take for granted, we assume the Sixers should be teams that the Sixers would certainly be favored against if they did meet but some of them might be a little riskier or maybe at least a little scarier to meet in that first round. So let's, uh, let's go through the list of, I think we picked out eight teams. Props to the New York Knicks who have graduated from this tier with their winning streak. Uh, they are now probably going to end up in that four or five seed barn. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Would have never guessed it a million years. Hats off to Julius Randle, who I was not a believer in, uh, very much not a believer in.
1: I was like out on the, Tibbs before this year
0: too. Yeah, Uh Did I mean, Minnesota it, run soured. Oh, him was, for me, it was, I thought. it was a bad run for sure. And look, I don't think I discounted Tibbs' ability to improve them substantially in their first year. Little uncertain whether or not he's going to be there for four years. He has a little bit of a Doug Collins-esque track record. But I mean, I just I looked at that roster. I didn't think there was any chance. Uh, so props to them. But they have graduated from this list. We are looking at uh, Atlanta. And by the way,
1: you know what other you know what list they're they're going to be on? They're going to be on the teams that you want to play in the second round.
0: List yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I wouldn't be worried about them as a Sixers fan. Let's not like they're a nice story, but I don't think they're. If if New York makes an Eastern Conference Finals, I will be stunned. Yeah.
1: You know what a nice story means? That means a team you want to play in the second round. That's what right,
0: I mean. right. Um, so the the eight teams we're talking about, I'm just going to go down in order of their current record. We're talking Hawks, Celtics, Heat, Hornets. Pacers, Wizards, Bulls and Raptors, which goes through 12 teams, the uh, the 12th seed, the current 12th seed in Eastern Conference, only three teams, the Cavs, Magic and Pistons are out of the mix. That is in part because of this wackadoo uh, coronavirus shortened season, but in part because of the play in tournament. Uh, I do. It'll be interesting to see whether or not they keep this play in tournament. I do wonder if it is curbing. You know, there's been a lot of talk. I think it was Howard Beck who recently wrote an article about how the flattened lottery odds have decreased um, the prevalence of tanking. Obviously there are the extreme examples uh, going on in OKC and Houston too. I'd probably lump in there, Uh, but there's not six or seven teams outright trying to lose. I wonder how much of that is flattened lottery odds. I wonder how much of that is uh, the play-in tournament, giving teams like Chicago life when they otherwise wouldn't put uh, anyway, it's a it's a long list of teams. So we're going to start off with the top the team that you are least worried about facing in the first round. Why that is and then go down the list. We'll try not to talk too long about each team because that will end up being a long podcast and we'll have time to focus on specific teams as we get closer and and, and the standing shake out a little more. But Rich Hoffman, which is a team that you would fear the least among those eight?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say like you would put these teams into tiers. So this is not this team. I would say that is number one is not in a tier by itself. There, there are a couple other teams that I think are, are roughly the same when it comes to desirability. But the team that I would be least worried about if I were the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers is the current eight seed, the Charlotte Hornets. Do you have them at the top?
0: As they're well? the same one. I mean, who's guarding Joel Embiid? like who the f is guarding joel embiid there's nobody Ooh. guarding joel embiid it's biombo zeller it's biombo it's, not happening.
1: It, it's biombo who can't do it a and then i don't think there is a center in the nba who joel, joel embiid when he plays a non-shooting center is a an even better defensive player than he already is which is awesome there is not a player that he can help off more and more easily he's like you know biombo not a crazy lob threat either And I just look, the Hornets, they have, again, nice story, and they've played a lot of really entertaining games this season. Yeah, yep. Miles Bridges is probably the best dunker in the league at this point, like in-game. He's insane. Terry Rozier, which you know, I think a couple years ago, everybody was laughing at that contract. He certainly has played very well this season, lit up the Sixers in one of those games. But I, I just think back to those games, The two home games, especially, which were a a back-to-back or not a back-to-back, but a a two-game series in January. And those were very comfortable wins where Embiid was picking everybody apart. The Hornets were struggling to score. And that was with LaMelo Ball. You know, LaMelo, I mean, I guess he could come back and
0: and make things. I think he's supposed to be reevaluated soon. So I think he should be back from the wrist injury by the playoffs, but I don't think it's definite.
1: And I love watching him, but, uh, and he's certainly gotten better as the season has gone along. But again, he's a rookie that is still pretty mistake prone player who, uh, we'll see if he makes his jumpers in the playoffs. Yeah. Not, not worried about that team.
0: No, I, for everything you said. And look, I don't, there's no, they don't scare me offensively. They can get a little bit hot from the perimeter, uh, but they don't scare me too much offensively. And defensively, the Sixers should be able to rip them apart. Um, like you said, good story. Not a, uh, not a real threat. All right. So let's move on to the second team. For me, it is the Chicago bulls. Uh, and if there is a team that look, I know you're a little bit worried defensively in some of those matchups, although Mat- Matisse had a, a real, um, highlight reel against Levine. I know they scare you a little bit offensively, but they can mistake their way out of a playoff series. They can't defend and I have a lot of confidence going up against that squad. And right now they're playing pretty bad basketball. Um, <laughs> Uh, I would have no, it, like if they, if the Sixers, if it was anything more than a gentleman's sweep, uh, I would be stunned, stunned.
1: Yeah. I think this, if we were going to get a little more specific, I, I would put Charlotte as number one and then maybe put a mini tier of two teams. Um, if, but, but, but certainly I, I had Chicago, second as well. Um,
0: look at some I, of Chicago's I, recent losses. They lost to the Timberwolves, the magic. They lost two against the Grizzlies. Yeah. Uh, the Cavs. Like they can put up a stinker against bad teams. They could, like I said, they could mistake their way out of a playoff tournament in the blink of an eye.
1: They traded a lot of stuff for Vooch too. You yep. know, and I think part of that trade was to at
0: least be respectable,
1: be respectable and guarantee a playoff spot this season. And, I mean, they're certainly fighting for a, uh, I mean, they might not even make it. Look,
0: Vooch is a big human being. Theoretically, that should help. No, no. But it doesn't. Uh, A, because Vooch gets killed, and B, because they're so bad defensively, even if he does stand and beat up for a millisecond, they're not going to rotate quickly and efficiently to to make use of that anyway. Um, No, I have no concern going up against them.
1: Vooch would worry me a little bit as a, a pick, pick and pop, pop guy, guy, that has given Joe some trouble in the past, just because Vooch is a, a very good offensive player. I am thinking back to the New Year's Eve game that the Sixers won against the Magic when Vooch was still on them by a thousand points. I forget that was another one of the Adam Silver twenty twenty one classic games. Um twenty 2020, twenty twenty one classics. MB just in that first quarter was absolutely schooling him whether it was power moves, whether it was spins. I mean, he was, v- Vooch has no chance. Yep. So they're next. So I had them second. My third place team is, you know, it's a team that's given the Sixers some trouble in the past, but I'm sorry. I just can't get there. I, I can't move them any, anywhere past this spot. I have the Washington Wizards next. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they're, they're interesting because they've won a whole bunch in a row. I forget exactly what it's like nine to 10, something of that sort. And they have some players, specifically Bradley Beal. And we were all there for the 60 point game (laughs) uh, who, who who scare you, but they are sort of, it's hidden by the fact of how good Beal is and how much of a name. Russell Westbrook is they're a bad offensive team. Like they are a downright. I think they rank in the bottom six or seven in the league offensively. And they're obviously not a very good defensive team either. And when you actually look at the point differential and the net rating of all of these eight teams, they actually have the worst point differential of all of the eight teams that we're talking about here. And they've got a really good run here of late. Uh, This second half of the season has a lot of fluky results that I don't necessarily buy. Will matter when the playoffs roll around. And Washington's win streak here is one that I am not completely buying. So they have moved back into very legitimate playoff competition here at 28 and 34. Uh, but they don't they don't scare me one bit either. They just I don't. And and look, Bertans comes back, uh, came back, and he's a guy who scares you because he dropped like a million threes last year against the Sixers at one point. Uh, he hasn't been having a great year, but he does scare you because of that shooting. But I and look, this is one I would love to see, in part because Bradley Beale's entertaining to watch, but in part because that feud that Russell Westbrook has against the Sixers. I would love to see play out in a very short four game playoff series. Um, but I wouldn't, wouldn't worry about them at all. I, yep. I, I agree with you there. All right. Next up on my list is, uh is the Pacers who we're actually starting to get into sort of like semi decent teams here. Uh, and I, we, we might have the
1: same list in total.
0: We're, yeah, we're we might. we've, well, we've been we've podcasting matched. for a long time. I probably could have guessed your list at this point. And look, this is a respectable team. Like, they are right in the middle of the league offensively, right in the middle of the league defensively. Um, Miles Turner is a very good player who has no chance against Embiid. Malcolm Brogdon is a player who I think would have been interesting if the Sixers could have gotten a couple years back. Um, They have a lot of good players, but I don't don't worry about them as a matchup. Uh, I think they would be more interesting as a team against, like, an indie Boston series is one. I could see them matching up against better than with the Sixers. Yeah. I don't, I don't worry about them too much either.
1: They've been a very banged up team.
0: Yes, they have this season. And that's, well. that's one of it too. When you look at sort of like their rankings and their point differential, they could theoretically be a better playoff team than they have been in the regular season. I agree with that.
1: They, they've had a tough year. I mean, to not have TJ Warren at all this year, Yep, I believe like that's, a not small issue uh, you know good to see that laverde is back he uh he certainly has had a good series against the sixers in the past but i mean you're just looking at some of the guys they are giving minutes to now
0: uh, and all of them like i think brogdon and sabonis and turner they've all they've all missed like i want to say like 10 to 15 games each they've been banged up yep
1: yeah you know and T- turner is is banged up as well and he uh He's a good player. I, I like him. He just has not played well against the Sixers and Embiid. Um, so yeah, I would put them next. I, I think that would be a five-game series with a with. By the way, it would be Game Four, or Game Three with a, a raucous TJ McConnell performance. Yes,
0: yes, he might the steal them. The he might steal them a game. Like actually, by stealing an inbounds pass, he might steal them a game. Yeah. What a pain All in right. the ass. Next up, what a pain in the ass. Uh, I think it's, I think it's your turn. I think I picked, uh, I think I picked Indy that last time.
1: All right. So I I think we're going to have the same answer for this one. And then the last three might be, uh, I mean, they're going to be the same teams, but maybe we have them in different order. The next one is the team of Sixers playing right now, Um, the Atlanta Hawks. And, you know, this is a team that has played well of late, especially because some of it has come without Trey young. You know, they, they beat the bucks, you know, after the bucks blasted the, uh, the Sixers in that, uh, that Saturday game, got to go to a, a back-to-back to Atlanta? Nope, they're not winning. And that just goes to show that, you know, as, as weird as some of the Sixers' results have been this season, everybody is dealing with this in uh, in one way or another. I, I mean, I, I'm very interested to see what this team looks like in the playoffs, if they can can get a decent amount of their guys back. The, the main guy who I want to see in a playoff series is Trey Young. Yep. Some of the, the smaller guards you know they they have Lou Williams now who has traditionally struggled in the playoffs some of the guys who are foul drawers in a sense and i guess you could you could include Embiid on the other end of the uh at least the size spectrum but in terms of foul drawing sometimes the playoffs you know they're a little more physical teams can switch you they they don't have quite as much success and also Trey Young you know we we have seen with JJ Redick and some other players in the past what a smaller defensive liability can look like in a playoff series and how teams can really just mercilessly try to attack that. He might struggle with that a little bit, but you know, I, I, this is a team that has a lot of good players when they're healthy. Like Clint Capella is having an excellent season, you know, got a couple boards on Embiid. I, I feel like he's averaging like 15 rebounds a game. John Collins is a, you know, more of a talented offensive player wonder what he is long-term. They, they have a lot of dudes. I mean, they, they have Bogdanovich, who has been hurt a lot of this season, but I would say over the past 10 or so games, since he came back, has given them another off the bounce type creator. Um, Good, good team. Good team. I, I think the Sixers would ultimately dis- dispatch them. Their size, their physicality would be a little bit too much, but I, I could see that going, you know, five or six.
0: Good team. Having a better season than either the Raptors or the Heat probably deserve to be ahead of them in a ranking. You probably deserve to be more scared of the, just based off of what they've done in the regular season. Uh, And in terms of a matchup, you know, I think the Sixers could score at will against Atlanta, not as at will as they did on Wednesday night, but still at will. I think uh, obviously the Trey Young is a matchup. You can hunt Joel Embiid, although Clint Capella, it gives them a little more of a chance against Embiid. I think Embiid is going to work him in a playoff series still. Uh, He's still a little bit better of a... He's pretty good. We saw it a couple times uh, on Wednesday night where Clint is just so quick off the ground that he can challenge some Embiid shots. But still, Embiid should be able to put him under the basket every now and then. But they do scare you a little bit offensively. Like that Trey Young, either Clint Capella or John Collins pick and roll, would cause the Sixers some problems. Bogdanovich could get hot and shoot from the perimeter. Gallinari is still a, a very skilled, smart player. Like they have a lot of shooting. They have a lot of good decision makers. And I would love to see Trey young in a series. And I think he is a kind of guard who can extend the Sixers defense so far out with that pick and roll that he could give them problems. Like we could certainly, he, he he's the type I think who could give you, you, remember against the nets when they were, they stole that first game and you went, Oh, there's no chance. they could actually blow this. Right. And then they came back and stomped them. There could be a point in that series where you go, Oh no, there's no chance. They could blow this. Right. But I think the Sixers would eventually figure it out, and uh, I do think, like you said, at the end, the Sixers' physicality and talent I think would would win out. Um, but I could definitely see this five games uh, with the possibility of six if the Sixers are not playing at the top of their game. Um, they, they don't feel
1: like, and I know they they have young guys who are, are banged up, especially DeAndre Hunter's having a good season. Some some of these wings they just don't feel like a, a like a malleable, versatile playoff unit just yet. They have to beat you playing their one way with Trey and his pick and roll attack. And that's good. Like, I, I think that could give the Sixers a lot of problems, especially if Trey is is making his his bomb threes that you have no prayer to uh, to guard. But yeah, the, the good news for the Sixers, though, I don't think they're going to play them. I think uh, I haven't looked at what Atlanta's schedule is at, at the end of the season, but if they do get Trey back, I, I feel like it would be unlikely for them to drop down to the uh, the seven seed,
0: Yeah. yeah. It, the six would have to drop to three and yeah. they would have to drop the six. I agree. I agree. All right. Next up for me is the Raptors who have no business being this far down on the list. <laughs> They're 26 and 36. They have they actually do have a positive point differential. Obviously, I've had a world of injury and games missed uh, problems throughout the season. There is still part of me, though, that thinks when the playoffs come around, Nick Nurse And Kyle Lowry are just not who I want to face in the playoffs and who could make Joel Embiid's life. And look, they don't have the defenders they had in previous years. They shouldn't be able to stop him, but there is, there might be a little bit of PTSD here coming into this ranking. That's the only way I can really justify it. Um, But they do still have a lot of good players and keeping Kyle Lowry. Well, I don't think makes a whole lot of sense. I don't think they're going to get as much for him in the sign and trade market as they think they will. Um, it does make them certainly far more dangerous in the playoffs than they otherwise would have. They should they should not be this far down, though. They should not be, but they are.
1: So I had them here, too. I think there's a reasonable expectation, or there's a reasonable take that you could put them down an extra slot. Because here's the one thing that they have going for them. They guard MB better than anybody than in the anybody. league. And yep. It, I, it's usually when we talk about who can guard Embiid, it's a, a opposing center view. You know, it, can Vooch guard him? No. Can um, Gasol guard him? Yes. But they have shown even since they got rid of Gasol that they have the, I don't know, just the the weird schemes, the off-ball activity, the, the smarts and the coaching and the occasional Chris Boucher flying all over the place. Type of rotations that have flummoxed and beat, and he is on the record saying that they do something different than the other teams, uh, against him. And I, I agree. I think watching them, that would just be scary. And there, there's a certain level of PTSD. I would say there is with, with all three of these teams at the end, even if Miami has not beaten them in a playoff series yet. I mean, they're, uh, there is some PTSD with
0: all of well, these. Well, the PTSD teams. just comes from Jimmy Butler leaving. That's yes. And yeah. he, uh, he
1: would very much be involved. Yes. I have Toronto here as well. I mean, they're 26 and 36. They had a month where they were like two and 13. They're having just a terrible season, but, and we have seen that the Sixers in the past, you know, like Fred van, Vl- I thought this last year when we still were holding out hope that maybe the Sixers can, uh, can make a run in the playoffs and the Raptors were the two seed. I, I had the idea of like, all right, what happens when Fred Van Vliet isn't the seventh or eighth man now? And he is a borderline all-star who is being counted on. Guess what? If he plays like he did in 2018, 19 in that playoff series, uh, yeah, you're going to get your ass kicked by the Sixers. But, uh, I, I ultimately don't think Toronto, they, they just couldn't score on the Sixers in the half court. I, I don't think they'd be able to do that, but yes, they, uh, they they would scare me. I, I think if that was the matchup, we would be talking like, oh my God, here comes all of these double teams at Embiid.
0: <laughs> all right. So next up. Well, I, th- I think it's I think it's your turn to pick a team. I think I picked the Raptors. OK, so
1: next up. And I, uh, I think this is still probably the team with the highest ceiling of the bunch. Yep. But unfortunately, they guard Embiid worse than anybody. So I, I am. I cannot in good conscience make them the team I would least want to see, it would still be really scary. And that is the Boston Celtics are the, uh, are the next team.
0: We finally got to a disagreement and I'm not even sure if I disagree. I just had it ranked differently. I did have Miami here next. I think you're probably right in your assessment though. I think Boston is the best team out of this group, but you are right that they match up against Embiid so poorly that it probably doesn't matter. Um, No, you're, you're right. I think, I think my, so you're right. I think Miami, Miami is, is having a more. terrible
1: year. I don't want to discount them. Uh look like putting them lower. Look, it, it's it's mostly a bet on Spolstra and Jimmy
0: and Bam showing up in a playoff series. But Miami has been bad this season. They've been bad. I, I don't they've been bad. want to sugarcoat but that. Jimmy and Bam Jimmy and Bam is a pretty good and look, a lot of Miami's record is uh you know, uh Butler missed a, a decent chunk of time there in the middle of the season they are 9 and 6 over the last 15 but even being 9 and 6 they only have a plus 1.5 net rating. They've won a lot of close games over that stretch. Miami's offense is terrible, terrible. Like they have the worst offense of this group by a pretty considerable margin, I think. A very good defensive team and you know I think they have a defense that is pretty well geared towards playoff basketball. I think they can switch a lot of pick and rolls. I think Bam has really grown into being a disruptive defender. So I think they're a little scary in that regard, but offensively, the Sixers—I would love to see a Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler playoff matchup. Yeah, Give give me five or six or seven games, however long it is. Give me a, and that's a chance where you know there's sort of like these narratives around the Sixers that are sort of built, and I think Embiid has shifted that narrative a lot this year with his play and the jump he's made. I think that would be a real chance for. Uh, Ben Simmons to shift the narrative because I think he has a chance to eat Jimmy Butler up in that series. And if he does that, he will get a lot of acclaim for doing so because, I mean, Jimmy Butler was practically the playoff MVP last year. So I, I don't know how Miami would score against the Sixers. I do think Miami would be able to compete out of all of these teams outside of the Raptors. They might have the best chance of competing defensively against the Sixers. But I think the Sixers should have a lot of success against them offensively. You're probably right. Uh the Celtics should probably be the next team up because they have no chance of defending and No chance, none. And, this and the Heat might the just Heat be,
1: have a 0.9% chance yeah. of defending.
0: This might just be a um being scarred from a couple of years ago. But I mean look, Tatum and Brown are still dangerous. Uh that is a tough wing duo to match up against. I love Marcus Smart in a playoff series. Um and you know he's going to shoot 52% from 3 over that that stretch there. Um, but you're probably right. They have no chance against None.
1: I just can't get over the 2019, 20 Sixers vibes with the Celtics this season. I mean, I'm seeing stuff on Twitter about Aaron Neesmith, like having a big night. Uh, Meanwhile, they almost got swept in a home back to back against the Thunder and the Hornets. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're having a really rough season right now, but, uh, I think your point on Ben against Jimmy, that was the underrated thing about last season. We have not seen it this year. Maybe we'll see it in the uh, in the game, I don't know, whenever that is, next week, week after. Ben, even though the Sixers lost that season series 3-1, he had some possessions against Jimmy where I'm like, wow, he can't even get a good shot up against yeah. him. Like, like, not even close to a good shot. And, you know, we... we we know Jimmy pretty well. Like he's, he's gotta be crafty. He's gotta, you know, slither on the pick and roll. He's, he's not, um, he's not Kevin Durant when it comes to just like being able to create a quick shot out of nothing. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that would be an interesting one. Now, in some ways, I think playing against a team like Miami, like let's say the Sixers got the two seed to me, that might be a good thing, you know, to have to turn on the, Yeah. Playoff intensity right away. That's one thing
0: thing you can guarantee with Miami. They will bring the intensity. Spo will have them going. Jimmy Butler will have them going. Uh, Yeah, that would be a good way to dial up the intensity for sure. For sure.
1: Part of me wonders if we just rank those teams at the bottom just because of past performance.
0: You know? I mean, look, we're not, we're we're ranking these teams. There's not very many good teams in this list. I think Atlanta is the best
1: team of this group. Probably with everybody healthy and everything. Probably. But yeah, I think playoff experience matters though.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and translating the playoffs too, like that switchable style play that Miami can play is I think the most playoff competent defense of that group. And at some point you just believe that Jimmy and, and, and the collection of pieces they have will figure it out enough offensively to be at least mildly dangerous in a play. All all it takes is one hot shooting stretch. And uh, all of a sudden that team can become, Dangerous. Um, I will concede that you were right and the Heat should be um, the most dangerous because of Boston's complete inability to defend Joel. Even when you're talking about the Heat being the most dangerous, Sixers have to have, what, a 65%, 70% chance of winning that series?
1: Yeah, I, I think it, it might even be higher. I, they've yeah. just been so much better in the regular season. And if they play a team like Boston or Miami at the end, I think the, the general take on it is They are scary for a whole bunch of reasons. And, you know, with this Sixers team, they have not earned the right to just, you know, laugh these teams out of the building before things start. Um, You have to give them their proper respect, their their past due. They should beat these teams. They've been better than them the entire season. And frankly, like, I don't see, like, a team like Brooklyn who has all this star power. You know, some people might say Jimmy and Tatum or, Kind of the wing scores the Sixers might need in the playoffs. They have not been good enough for me to wait that aspect of their games that much. Yeah, they should beat them.
0: And by the way, like we didn't we didn't talk about the Knicks, but when we, if we throw the Knicks in there as a, a second round matchup, the Sixers should have just as much of a chance, if not more. Like I don't think I would have rated the Knicks last on this list. Sixers should have a. There really are two teams you worry about. Everyone else, it would be a major major story if the Sixers lost to. Uh, and I don't think that will happen.
1: It, it would be a good consolation, though, if they, let's say they got the two seed, played Miami in the first round. It would be, you know, let, let's say they lose to Milwaukee in the second round. That's a disappointing end considering how the season was going to uh, to at least fire off some heat culture tweets after a, a first round beatdown of Miami. That, that, maybe you're not going to hang that as a banner, but,
0: you know, you, you might you might do something. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, I'm so was, sick of heat culture. So sick yeah, of it. Me too. That was a fun playoff series a couple of years ago too. That was a uh, little chippy, a little uh, upstart Sixers taking it to him. That was a, a, a incredible series from, uh, from Ben. I, I think we forget that sometimes because he had such a bad second round in the, uh, against the Celtics and then a, a really bad second round against the, at least offensively where he was pretty much a non-factor in a half court against the Raptors. But he was he was amazing in that series against uh, against Miami, and it's a completely different team. You can't really take anything away from it. But it's not like it's not like Spo shut him down during that series. So I think he would have a uh, he would play a big role both because of his defense on Jimmy, and also if the Sixers are going to beat that team easily, they need to get out in transition uh, because Miami does have a good half court defense. So Ben will be important in there as well. But Sixers heavy favorites on any of these, I think. Um, but it was worth taking a step back to. Look at what a matchup might look like because quite frankly, I can't talk about the uh that Hawks game too much because it was it was barely NBA basketball.
1: No, there's not a lot else to to talk about. I mean, we could start reviewing Mayor of East Town after every uh episode, (laughs) but I don't think we're quite at that point yet.
0: Not yet. Not yet. And we and we are only three weeks away from the playoffs. So there it is coming shortly. Um Sixers have one more against the Hawks here on Friday than these the Spurs. Bulls and Rockets on the road before a whole bunch more of um, probably meaningless games because people will either be out of the lineup or you'll be playing the Pistons or the Magic or irrelevant teams anyway. So not a whole lot of intriguing basketball coming up, but the playoffs like I said, a little over three weeks away so that's coming around quickly. All right, I think that's probably about all I have. Thank you Rich for jumping on and we will talk to you soon. See you man.